Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 14, verses 10 through 31. It is the story of God's people escaping from Pharaoh. As Pharaoh drew near, the Israelites looked back, and there were the Egyptians advancing on them. In great fear, the Israelites cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the very thing we told you in Egypt? Let us alone, and let us serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance that God will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians, whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to keep still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites to go forward. But you, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the Israelites might go into the sea on dry ground. Then I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so they will go in after them. And so I will gain glory for myself over Pharaoh and all his army, his chariots and his chariot drivers. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, whom, when I gain the glory for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his chariot drivers. The angel of God, whom was going before the Israelite army, moved and went back behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and took its place behind them. It came between the army of Egypt and the army of Israel. And so the cloud was there with, that was there with the darkness. And it lit up the night. One did not come near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hands over the sea. The Lord drove back the sea by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land. And the waters were divided. The Israelites went in the sea on dry ground, water forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went into the sea after, after them, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots and chariot drivers. At the morning watch, the Lord in a pillar of fire, fire and cloud, looked down upon the Egyptian army and threw the Egyptian army into a panic. He clogged their chariot wheels. They turned with difficulty. The Egyptians said, let us flee from the Israelites. For the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so the waters may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and chariot drivers. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at the dawn the sea returned to its normal depth. As the Egyptians fled before it, the Lord tossed the Egyptians into the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the chariot drivers, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the Israelites walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters forming a wall from them on their right and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great work that the Lord did against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and believed in the Lord and his servant Moses. Says God's good word for us, God's beloved people. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Amen. So... We close out Summer of Rock 
with what I think is an absolute jam, an absolute kind of uh, example of 80s excess. Uh, this song is nuts. It is Holding Out for a Hero uh, by Bonnie Tyler, or, you know, sung by Bonnie Tyler. It wasn't written by Bonnie Tyler. And what I find fascinating about this song is this song was written explicitly for the movie Footloose. And specifically, it was written for a scene in Footloose where two men are driving tractors at each other head on. And the power of this song is that it can make men driving tractors, which are very slow, at one another, a scene of high drama and excitement. Because a, tra a game of tractor chicken is the slowest race imaginable. Tractors, very important, very powerful, very torquey, uh, able to farm and dig and do mighty things. They are incredibly, deliberately slow. And so without... Bonnie Tyler's soaring voice and the crazy piano chords, that scene in Footloose is just for like five minutes. It is just five minutes of men indiscriminately yelling over it's nothing. It's boring. And then one guy jumps into a river. That's it. But with Bonnie Tyler behind it, this song that even at the time, even in 1984 when it came out, was considered kind of cheesy and over the top, but everyone agrees specifically because of Bonnie Tyler's immense talent as a vocalist, it kind of works. But it only kind of works. It can make Tractor Chicken exciting. That we are indeed holding out for a hero. I, I don't know. I actually had to watch Footloose to prepare for the sermon. I was born in 1986, so I kind of missed Footloose. I actually was, actually as a theater kid growing up, did a dance number from Footloose. That was the only part of Footloose I had ever seen, uh, was the intro dance. That was it. Um, so I actually had to watch this movie. It's like, okay, I've picked this song. I, it's from this movie. I need to watch it. Anyways, I know it from Shrek 2. I know it from the climax of Shrek 2. It's, it's an amazing achievement. But this song is special because if you listen to it and don't feel powerful, you are simply missing something important. This is a powerful song by a powerful vocalist with an amazing message about holding out for a hero. And in the song, isn't just, I'm waiting for a hero, I'm waiting for a hero. The song fills you with the confidence that the hero will arrive. You can see your white knight coming on the horse as you listen to this song. It is not a wailful melody about wanting a hero, but the hero never coming. It is a peppy, energetic 80s jam about how I'm holding out for a hero and see I, I see that hero coming in the form of Kevin Bacon on a tractor going, Arr! I mean, he wins, but like, you know. And this as, and I'm gonna ruin Exodus 14 for you, I think. This is what you should hear. 
As you, as you are listening to this scripture unfold, you should hear the opening chords of holding out for a hero. As God's people go to Moses and go, oh, basically going to Moses, look, we need a hero. And Moses says, oh yes, we are holding out a hero literally till the end of the night, right? This is, you should hear this because it is what is happening. The God's people definitely need a hero. And that hero is definitely just on the horizon. Because I do not want to hold back on you, friends. What God's people are up against at this particular moment is really dire. They are between a rock and a hard place. The rock is in the form of the Egyptian army, which at that time was the most powerful military force that had ever existed. You hear Egypt, you probably think like pyramids or pharaohs or like Cleopatra. But when the ancient world heard Egypt, they thought uh, chariot and chariot drivers. Those were, I've said this before, but it's a pretty good comparison. Those were the stealth fighters of the day. They were the most advanced piece of military technology that had ever existed to that point. And so what's chasing them is basically an army of stealth fighters led by the most powerful king in the world who had declared himself a god. So a man who thinks he's God and his army of stealth fighters, hence the repetition. That's why we keep repeating Pharaoh and his horses and his chariots and his chariot drivers. That was scary, right? You're being chased by squadrons of F-35s. Imagine being on foot, being chased by squadrons of joint strike fighters. Like that's kind of what you're up against. And so that's on one side. On the other side, the hard place is actually a wet place. It is the Red Sea. And from ancient times, humanity has feared the sea. Because it is incredibly chaotic and incredibly powerful. And if you look sideways at the sea, it will take you in a moment who's ever been caught in a riptide, anyone who's ever been in a ship on a storm, anyone who's just stood out on the edge of the sea and looked at the immenseness of it as water crashes in, you know that feeling, that like tinkle in the base of your soul, that you are staring at something that is vast and powerful beyond your, can, your understanding. So on one hand is stealth fighters. And on the other hand, is dangerous, deadly, uncontrollable water. And so very rightly, they go to Moses and go, Yo, Moses, this is not going to work. We're just going to die. Why'd you bring us out here to die? We could have died at home in our beds of old age. Why are we going to die here? Are there not graves enough in Egypt? Why are we going to die here in the wilderness, killed by an army because we can't run into the sea? And Moses tells them, no, 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 friends. Hold out for a hero. And that's when you should cue the Bonnie Tyler in your mind. Dun, 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 dun. That's when it starts. That's the dun, 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 dun. It's when Moses says, no, no, no. We trust in God. And then God makes this doubly sure. Um, and what I think I have pulled as verses, what is it, 15 through 18, something like that. Uh, chapter 14, verses 15 through 18. 
The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites, go forward. But you lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the Israelites might go into the sea on dry ground. Then I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so you will go in after them. And, and so, Egyptians, so they will go in after them. So I will gain glory for myself over Pharaoh, over all his army, his chariots and his chariot drivers. There we go again. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I gain the glory for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots and his chariot drivers. Don't worry, Moses and friends. God says, I will be your hero. You are holding out for a hero. Good news. The hero is here. Often when we think about the story of Exodus, and certainly the first 14 chapters of Exodus, we like to make Moses the main character. We often talk about, you know, Moses leads God's people, and Moses parts the Red Sea. I know it's Charlton Heston that stands there with a stick and goes like this, and the water goes like this. But it is not Moses doing any of this. Moses doesn't bring the plagues down on Egypt. God does. And Moses doesn't part the Red Sea. God does. Because you see, the story of the first 14 chapters of Exodus is Pharaoh says he's a god, and God goes, no, you are not. You may think you are a god because you have your stealth fighter chariots, but you are not a god. There is only one god. I, the Lord of all, am the only god. I, the Lord of all, will defeat you, Pharaoh, and thus show my people my true power. And so what unfolds is exactly what God says is going to happen. That God shows up in about the mightiest way possible, leads the army of stealth fighter chariots into the sea, and then crushes that army with a force that only God can control. Only God can control the sea. Even now, we are probably 5,000 years removed from when this happened. Even now, modern humanity, we cannot control the sea. Sometimes we stick turbines in the sea and use it for energy. We have big ships that navigate the sea, but we can't control the sea. Only God can control that amount of chaos and that amount of power and use it for God's purpose. And so God shows this wannabe God what a real God does when God's people are under threat. And that is verses, I think I pulled 26 through 28, we'll find out. Hey, what do you know, I got it right. I did this without slides once and it's messed with my head. <laughs> then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and chariot drivers. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at dawn, the sea returned to its normal depth. As the Egyptians fled before it, the Lord tossed the Egyptians into the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the chariot drivers, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. God did a mighty deed of power. God destroyed the most powerful army that had ever existed. Like that with a power that only God could control. This is one of the mightiest deeds of power God does the entire Old Testament. This is probably second only to creation in terms of what God accomplishes to defeat Pharaoh and free God's people and show who the real God is 
and who the wannabe God is, to show who is the hero worth holding out for, and who is just a wannabe. And at least in that moment, in verses 30 and 31, God's people get it. Do they continue to get it forever? No. No, they do not. Hence why we preach a lot of sermons on forgiveness and on repentance. Um, in fact, in just a couple chapters, um, they're going to get it wrong again. But at least in this moment, they get it. Who the real God is and who the wannabe is. Who their real hero is. In verses 30 and 31. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians on, dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great work that the Lord did against the Egyptians. So, so the people feared the Lord and believed in the Lord and his servant Moses. The song holding out for a hero, I confess, is ridiculous. It is a ridiculous song. But so is this deed of power that God just did. We're so used to hearing about it. We see it in movies. We grow up with it. This is an awe-inspiring level of power. It reminds us that God's power is absolutely immense. God's power is immeasurable. That only God could do this kind of power. Again, as I said, now, 5,000 years after this happened, we still can't control the sea. God's power is so immense that God can defeat Pharaoh with the wave of God's servant's arms. God's power is so immense that God can create the universe from nothing in the first place. God's power is beyond comprehension. And then, we as humans, we work really hard in our minds, to make God's power very small. We take these stories of a man, and we've heard two weeks in a row of, of stories of God's immense power, and all we need to do is hold still and have faith that God's going to move and God's going to show up and God's going to defeat the Amorites and the Moabites and the Jebusites and the Zizorites or whoever, and God's going to defeat Pharaoh and Pharaoh's army of stealth fighter chariots. And God's going to move the ocean, and God's going to move in these mighty ways. We have these stories. Just be still, and God's got this. If you're holding out for a hero, guess what? The white knight on the powerful steed is just right there. We have all of these stories. The Bible is full of them. Old and New Testament, full of them. Walls of Jericho, fall down. Christ rises from the dead on the third day. Peter is miraculously sprung from jail. All these things keep happening. And then we keep looking at the world and going, oh, I just don't think it's ever going to get any better. Oh, I just think we're doomed. Oh, man, we're so doomed. I cannot, I cannot imagine us overcoming the forces of evil that are present in the world right now. Really? I mean, we do it. We all do it. We all hear these stories of God's immense power, and we get so used to hearing them that we're just immune to it. Yeah, 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 God parted the Red Sea. Now next in children's sermon, we are going to talk about Right, we get lost in it. And yet this is an incredible deed of power that only God can do and has never been equaled by any human ever. And we keep trying to make God tiny and not powerful enough to overcome whatever challenges it is that we face. Yeah, I will always admit here from this stage and anywhere that in this world there are many challenges. 
Whether it is coronavirus, whether it is addiction, whether it is an economy that is broken, whether it is warfare, whether it is genocide. Like, I have spent most of my adult life traveling the world seeing what's wrong with it. I've worked in some of the toughest neighborhoods in this country and some of the toughest neighborhoods in the world. I get it. World be broken, friends. But also, turns out, we are a people holding out for a hero. Right? We look at the world, we know that it is not as it should be. And we have these promises. The book of Revelation, it is called. That God's going to come in final victory. And we're going to feast at God's heavenly banquet. That it's all going to be great. That the, the lion will lie down with the lamb. That the sword is hammered into the plowshares. That it's all a land of milk and honey. We have this thing that we are holding out for a hero. And every other time that God's people have been holding out for a hero, guess what showed up? A white knight upon his fiery steed. Whether it's here in Genesis, whether it's the story in 2 Chronicles from last week, or whether it was that time when Jesus, the Messiah, was killed by the Roman Empire. Remember this story? Anyone heard this story before? Where Jesus, the Messiah, was killed by the Roman Empire? Happens in four books of the Bible, so if you need references, it's around. You know, pick up John 19 if you want a real good tale of how Jesus was killed by the Roman Empire. And they were the evil empire, and they were bigger than anything that had ever been before. And generally, when they killed you, you stayed dead, right? And death. Death has been humanity's enemy from the beginning. As the pastor said at my, uh, my grandfather's funeral, uh, the mortality rate on this planet is more or less 100%. It's only Elijah that's never died. Jesus died. He, just spoilers. He came back, Right? And as there at the end of John 19, as the disciples scatter to the four winds, holding out for a hero, on the third day, that hero rose from the dead, defeating the Romans and defeating death itself. And so, yes, we have these promises from God to hold out for a hero because that hero is going to show up. And actually kind of on a white knight upon a fiery steed. It's actually a reasonable image of Revelation if you want to really dig into it. Bonnie Tyler, not far off. And so we can hold on. Because we have all these stories. Scripture is full of them. I've just, picked, I've just cherry picked three. These are not the only ones. Where God's people are up against it between a rock and a hard place. Stealth fighter chariots in the sea. Absolute defeat in the hands of all of the ites. Unable to bring down the walls of Jericho because they don't have enough troops. Jesus murdered on a cross by the Romans. And every time God says, hold out for a hero. And that hero arrives. God is our hero. God is a hero worth waiting for. God has the promises. And every time God has told, told, given us that promise, it's come true to up until now. So God's credit should be pretty good with us. It's only our doubt that makes it not that way. So here in a minute, we're going to hear Bonnie Tyler's holding out for a hero. As you hear this song, as you hear Chris slam on that piano with these soaring chords, and he's going to knock it out of the park. I've heard it once. It's amazing. As our core team of wonderful female vocalists who have stayed with me through this ridiculous summer of rock, blast this music. 
has that like joy and optimism that washes over you anytime you hear this song. Let that be a reminder of what you should feel every day. Because every day you are holding out for a hero. And every day you can have that faith that that hero, upon, that white knight upon his fiery steed, is right there for you. We are holding out for a hero. And just as Bonnie Tyler seems to trust that this hero is going to show up, so can you. Because your hero defeated Pharaoh. Your hero defeated the Romans. Your hero defeated death itself. There is no problem on this earth. Our hero, God the Lord Almighty, can't defeat. Let us pray. Gracious, loving God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks that you are our hero. And that all we need to do is hold out on you. And so God, give us that strength. Give us that hope. Give us that optimism. May we feel your presence and know that no matter what is wrong in this world, there you are to make it all well in time, in our lives, and to the end of time. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. And so now, ladies and gentlemen, I give you the, what is truly for me the climax of Summer of Rock. I give you the 1984 hit from the movie Footloose, uh, performed, uh, well, originally performed by Bonnie Tyler. Uh, now performed uh, by a, a wonderful band that has done amazingly well throughout this entire series. I give you Holding Out for a Hero. And everybody, as Trey says, I want to give this entire band props.
Um, as we uh, as we are not actually closing the service, but as we take a pause in the service, the blessing. Remember, we are going to baptize some folks immediately after the service out on Lake Palestine UMC. But go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Yes, we are holding out for a hero, friends. But that hero is the Lord God Almighty. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Amen. 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 Amen.